0: Welcome to the first episode of First Generation Burden, a series of conversations with immigrants and the children of immigrants. My name is Rich Tu, and I'm your host. Since this is the first episode, we're still finding our way a little bit. At times, it may be silly, serious, and not safe for work, but hopefully it'll always be revealing, honest, and maybe even courageous. Today's guest is Ahmed Klink, a photographer living in New York. He's uh, born in Lebanon and raised in France made a name for himself, photographing people like Steph Curry, Kendrick Lamar, Kevin Hart, and Future, among others. Recently, he shot several campaigns for Bacardi and other huge brands. Uh, Also, he co-founded a studio uh, called Sunday Afternoon, uh, and he's a good friend. We started together as Hungry Young Creatives on the East Coast. We recorded this conversation in New York a couple of months ago, and uh, it was pre-election, obviously, so... Uh, We had a lot of fun at the time, and there's an air of optimism in our voices. Um, I'm pretty sure this conversation would be very different if it were to happen today. But uh, I sat on this podcast idea for a couple of weeks and just kind of dragged my feet on it. But then uh, a few days ago, um, a wave of of change just happened, and uh, I felt the need to to push it forward. So, hope you guys enjoyed this first conversation with photographer and uh, my good friend, Ahmed Klink. All right. How many of us are you gonna do, 12? Um. Yeah, I think I'm gonna do 12. I think 12 out of just pure simplicity. Also, hold them, make sure like anything you say, just hold the mic like, up, right up to your mouth. Okay. Like just straight up kiss it. Uh, while I pour this whiskey over here. Doing well. <laughs> Doing well, dog. Just give me a, a throw, throw a loud vocal in there really quick. Yup, yup. All right. Rich, too. Oh my. Oh my God. All right, brother. Let's cheers these guys. Cheers. Cheers. It's good to see you. Good to see you too. Um, so uh, now we've officially started. <laughs> For a little bit of context, uh, we just poured uh, some Maker's Mark whiskey. Of course. Uh, straight, no rocks into a couple of plastic cups in this really tiny hotel room in Chelsea, New York. I just absolutely. got off the of plane and we're speaking with Ahmed Klink. Thanks for coming. Of course. First, first of all, thanks um, for having me. Absolutely. And uh, you are uh, a good friend of mine, for sure, and also an amazing creative, amazing photographer. And uh, just to let the, the listeners know, we met a few years ago in New Jersey when I was living in New Jersey. Correct. And you had just, you had recently moved from France to New York.
1: Yes, I, uh, I moved from France, from Paris to New York in 2007. Wow. Uh, we met in November, November 2007. So end of 2007. Got it. And I think we met beginning of 2009.
0: Got it. Makes sense. Makes
1: sense. Uh, I moved to New York to complete my PhD. Sure. In biomedical engineering. Smart-ass man. Uh, Yes, which I did eventually in 2011. (laughs) Um, Yes, so I did that. And uh, we did meet in New Jersey uh, through our good friend Casey. Yes. uh, Oh, yeah. I was having lunch with at a Mexican (laughs) (laughs) joint in West Orange. South Orange. South Orange, sorry. Toro
0: Loco. Toro Loco. Crazy bull. You were getting out of the gym. <laughs> <laughs> I had just left the gym, and uh, <laughs> sleeves were not my friend that day, no. so I wasn't. I didn't have any. <laughs> no sleeves. Um, pants. Pants. Sweaty. Sweaty pants. That's, That's how I remember. Sweaty you. head as well. <laughs> um, so, uh, if you want to give us a little bit of uh, the, the story about your journey, from uh, you were uh, born in Lebanon, then Correct. you moved to Paris, and then you moved to New York. Can we just. If you could start a little bit earlier in the beginning, um, in your, your memory of Lebanon with your family, with your friends, kind of like what took you from there to Paris and then eventually sure. to New York. So I was born uh,
1: in Lebanon in the early 90, uh, 80s. Um, sure. And at that time, there was, you know, the civil war was going on in Lebanon, so right. absolutely not. A safe place to be. Um, right, right. My mom gave birth to me and uh, both of my parents were living in Romania at the time to study medicine. Wow. So they came back uh, one summer uh, to Lebanon to give birth to me and they went back to Romania and I stayed in Lebanon for two years where I was raised by my grandparents. Wow! Um, for
0: how many years have you were you with your grandparents, and, and why were you separated from your parents?
1: Well, my parents were studying medicine, so they are like, we can't really you know, take care of this guy right now, I guess. Sure. Um, and my grandparents were, were you know really keen on, on me, and I think my parents also wanted me to grow up in Lebanon for a little bit, you know, to see, you know, both of my parents have big, big families. Right, uh, I've my, seen them yeah my mom Big you friends. know ten, 10 brothers and sisters my dad has 11. uh so oh, so great. i was really well surrounded um by the family in lebanon and um so so i grew up mainly uh raised by my uh, by my uh by my dad's uh, mother and father Um, which was amazing. I have really fond memories. I mean, I can't really remember, but looking at photographs Mm -hmm. of me having my birthdays there, like a super wealth around surrounded. I was the first boy in the family. Really? Ironically. Um, so everyone was kind of like, okay, cool. The descendants (laughs) is safe. (laughs) The clink line will continue.
0: Exactly. There will, there will be more clinks. Um, so right. yeah there's no just like closer to okay. yeah kiss so, kiss the microphone okay <laughs> um so so Likes. more more you know there will be
1: more clinks which was uh you know everybody was really excited about sure um so you know i i grew up there and 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 um the civil war was going on like i said and uh you know, two years in, I think my parents decided that it was a good time for me to kind of uh, join them in Europe. They, How old were uh, you at the time? I was two. About two, two and a half, something oh, like that. Oh, okay. okay. Um, and they were moving to France from Romania. And the idea was for me to join them in France. Um, the civil war was really raging at that time. Wow. Uh, and, How- and we had to escape really Lebanon, uh, because things were getting really bad. How long had
0: your family been in Lebanon? Oh, Just all their life. The entire life.
1: Yeah, and, no. and most of them stayed there. Why France? Uh, France was really accepting of... They have a really good political relationship with Lebanon. Uh, Lebanon used to be a French colony. Uh, okay. There was a really good relationship between... Uh, the president of France and the presidents of Lebanon. So they were accepting a lot of Lebanese refugees at the time. Sure. Um, sure. So my cousin uh, Ziad, uh, who is a very well-known researcher now in France, was 17 years old at the time and was also looking to leave Lebanon to study medicine in France. Mm. Um, and believe it or not, I mean, I... I fled Lebanon with a seventeen year old a seventeen year old cousin. Wow. Who took me through the Syrian border.
0: Holy shit. Yeah. In a bus. Uh, wow. And you were two. And I was two years old, yeah. Did he uh-huh. did you, did he have to hide you? Did, was he did or was it more like it was just dangerous because of the civil war environment in general?
1: Right. I mean you never know what can happen in this situation. Obviously I don't have any memories of it but Sure, sure. You know, I, my guess is that things could have gone very wrong very quickly. Hell yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't know if my family kind of had like political relationships or how they, they figured it out. But we were able to cross the, 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 the Lebanese-Syrian border, um, go into Syria and then board on a flight to, to, to go to France where we were able to meet my parents, uh, mm-hmm. finally. Um, and most of my memories of, of my childhood are just, you know, happy kid <laughs> growing up in France, you know. Right. Um, what part of France? Uh, I grew up in the, uh, in the east of France. Okay. Um, and then, and, and, you know, we moved a little bit, but uh, mainly in the east of France.
0: Um, and your you know, parents are both physicians at the time. Yes.
1: yes. They were getting, um, they found their first jobs in France. Wow. Um, they applied for French citizenship in, uh, 1983, uh, 1993 when I was like nine or 10 years old at the time. Damn. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I have memories of my parents doing all that work, you know, um, trying to become friends, trying to, you know, fit in the system, trying to be good physicians, you know, mm-hmm. taking extra classes, studying at night. Right. Um, I saw all of that and I have memories of that. Mm-hmm. And I think that that impacted me uh, a lot. And my sister was born in uh, 1989 okay. uh, in France. Got it. And she was French right away. She right. was the first one of the family, right, to be French before even my parents <laughs> were. Sure. Um, and she probably helped in that process for them to become oh. French.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know? Oh, cool. Because they had to go through that process in in France from the beginning. Absolutely. You know, it's funny because we have that that bit in common. My mother was a physician for twenty five years mm-hmm. in New Jersey, but she was uh, born in the Philippines, and I have very specific memories of my mom. Um, being there for me uh, uh, as much as she could, but always having to go back to the hospital at a certain point. Sure. And uh, my dad had much more normal hours. Uh, But yeah, I would imagine having two physicians. Exactly. (laughs) And I was a total mama's boy growing up. So I'd always want my mom around me. Right. And then she'd always have to go back to the hospital um, after she dropped us off after school. And we had just picked up, you know, Burger King or something. I'd be super bummed out, so I can only imagine how crazy it must have been with both of Best memories my dad taking me to McDonald's uh
1: on Sundays. We uh you know the the, the drive thru was a new thing in France. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, every Sunday he would take me and my sister just to go through the the, the drive thru <laughs> and and get like <laughs> Wow. You know, just, uh, chickens.
0: Is it terrible man, to me that man. I just imagine, like, drive through, like, a cobblestone road with those, like, tiny cars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely have tiny cars. <laughs> that, that's not wrong at all. Yeah, exactly. Tiny cars, and then you're just trying to, like, stretch your arm out, and then it's hard because the window's, like, probably a little bit too high. Very accurate.
1: Uh, <laughs> actually, well, you know what? Uh, the first car that I remember my dad having was an old Mercedes from, the like, the 90s. Wow. You know?
0: Um... Yeah, so did it, it say uh, diesel on the back? Was it one of those cars? Because they always thought those were awesome. Yeah, I think it, it said
1: that, and it was brown, and it had a very particular smell. Really, that that I can remember to this day. Weather yeah.
0: interior, vinyl interior, vinyl. Really,
1: definitely. Yeah, very interesting. Um, so yeah, I mean, I grew up in France um, until. In the east of France, and then mm-hmm. when I was eighteen, uh, I was sort of a okay student in high school. You sure. Know, kind of like the lazy kind who just does the minimum to get by. Right. Which are usually the smartest people around.
0: I was actually <laughs> just going to say most of the people that I know had the exact same experience. Right. And they just like they just knew too much about the the. Energy that it would take exactly <laughs> at that point in their lives, I was like fuck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> we're just gonna do what we want to do,
1: right? And you know what's so funny? Because a lot of my friends that were super great students in high school, right. kind of just ended up being teachers. Totally, you know? like, yeah,
0: they just uh, end up being normal people, right? Well, not not normal people. people are. I love normal people. Yeah. I love everyone, but uh, yeah, they end up like uh, n- not. Necessarily becoming like, you know, what you thought they would right,
1: exactly. that you thought they would become, you know, yeah, uh, totally. and I think that was that was kind of interesting. Um, so, okay, student in high school, um, didn't, you know, didn't get into the best colleges because of that. Obviously. Sure. Um got into a, a, a engineering school in Paris, hmm. uh, moved to Paris when I was uh, 18 years old, um, you know, tiny studio. Yeah by myself for the first time, yeah. you know, remember sitting in my bed with my parents leaving. I was like, holy shit, that's crazy. Um, right. um, what do I do now? And I remember just like heating something in the microwave and I was like, I'm going to have dinner now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, studied in Paris engineering for five years uh, and, and kind of being a science nerd, you know, both of my parents are physicians so definitely grew up being a big biology you know nerd and like really fascinated by the human body and
0: all of that so uh wait let me ask uh at this time are you also a creative person as well are you actively pursuing like photography creativity or 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 at least thinking about those things at the time or what what was in your head as far as like what was actually going to pan out for you as far as a career?
1: That's a really good question. You know, my dad, although being a physician, uh was all, also is also painting at that time.
0: Um
1: My dad was painting too. That's crazy. Yeah. Um he he uh you know, he, he used we used to go on vacation, used to take pictures of landscapes and you know, we would go back home and he would paint them. Um and both of my parents were really interested in art and culture. I remember uh, listening to fucking Vivaldi when I was like oh, wow. 10 years old, you what? know, and like reading their biographies and, 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 you know, reading about Van Gogh and Monet and like being kind of like submerged in that environment because of my parents. Sure. Uh, we went to visit Monet's gardens. We went to visit Van Gogh's house. We my parents took me to all these places. Um, and my dad was also shooting. Uh, also, always had a film camera with him. Um, Did he have a lot of cameras? He had He had one, had a lot of lenses, but he would always carry it around hmm. uh, and take a lot of pictures. He would print them, put them around the house. Um, so I think, and consciously I was, subconsciously I was kind of like submerged in that environment, you know. And I would lie, I never f- dreamt about being a photographer or never dreamt about being a creative. Sure. Not at that time, anyway. Um, they also put a computer in my in my hands when I was seven, you know. Um, what kind of computer was an it? Atari. Was it really? Yeah.
0: Did you have a dot matrix printer attached to it?
1: Uh, I remember it? having the, you know, tiny floppy disk that you actually... Insert in the keyboard at the time. I yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) and and my and my parents always refused to buy me gaming systems. They were like, "Fuck the gaming systems! You're getting a computer." (laughs) Um, So you know, I I kind of grew up wanting to be involved in computers, and I was like, I'm you know, as much as I love biology, I was like, I'm gonna try to become an engineer. Right. and honestly, I think that my interest in, in photography didn't, it only came around when I was 23
0: to 24 years old, which is really late. That's very late. I'm 33. No, 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 <laughs> dude, I mean, I'm 35. I didn't become, I didn't start even thinking about this life until I was 22, right. 23. Right. So I feel like a latecomer too.
1: But uh, looking back at it, and I think that's really interesting, I think that I've always been in it, mm. you know, surrounded by it, absorbing, painting. Right. You were, you were passively sponging exactly. everything around you. Exactly. And, and that happened at a time when I was young, and I think my brain was still, like, you know, evolving and absorbing all these things. And, and, and I remember them vividly, you know. Um, so, so I think that definitely played a part in it.
0: So when you decided to actually make the leap from, okay, so there are two leaps that I want to discuss. The leap from moving from Paris to the United States, which is huge in and of itself, but also the creative leap of saying like, Hey, I want to be a photographer and also wanting to pursue a PhD. Right. Um, did, did those two things coincide with each other or did they kind of like, did you have the ideas about those things separately and they converged? How did that come So out? let me tell you how
1: that happened. I mean, I graduated with my engineering degree. Couldn't of find- Undergrad? It. Yeah, undergrad. Uh, undergrad, yeah. I mean, masters. You got a master's in engineering? Yeah. So what did you get- Five years. It's five years of, of, of engineering school.
0: Yeah. So what'd you go for undergrad?
1: uh it was kind of you know and France, is different it's kind of general engineering right and then you decide in the in the last two years you decide what kind of masters you want to like specialize oh in. so you can just continue
0: on the track. exactly so have i, I specialized.
1: yeah i have a master's in biomedical engineering
0: oh jesus christ right dude right so i got a master's in drawing shit I mean, that's pretty cool. Well, that's cool. I got a master's in drawing, like, you know, dicks and shit. <laughs> you do draw a lot of dicks. I do. And you're pretty good at it. <laughs> i not going to lie. I've been paid to draw some
1: pretty good dicks. <laughs> anyway, go on. <laughs> um, so, you know, I graduated with my master's, and of course I can't find work. Sure. You know, so... Why, though? You know, I think it's a bad time to graduate in France. Uh, and and we're 2005, 2006. Sure. economy is not great and it's kind of fascinating the way i get to new york this is a very transitional phase in my life i think i'm 24 (laughs) years old i just graduated with a master's and i can't find work right and i'm pretty upset i'm staying up all night and i find this camera in my mom's drawer and i'm like holy shit what is this that's kind of digital um one of the very earliest uh uh, point and shoot Sony CyberShot camera. Wow. Okay, I think it had like six megapixels. All right, <laughs> your phone kills it. <laughs> <laughs> so I found this camera, and I just end up wandering at night in Paris, taking pictures,
0: wow.
1: like just walking around aimlessly, taking pictures. And I think this is where my love of photography starts growing because i'm walking around paris at night i know nothing i i think i know nothing about photography at that time you know i i just take pictures um and and i love it the right. the feeling the freedom that i get uh the focus that i get uh i was really fascinated yeah uh and i was hooked it was kind of a drug i would do it every night um for how long did you do this for a year literally damn like a year um just you know coming back home at 7am uh sleeping till 4pm in the afternoon uh i think my parents were not really happy with me at that time but you know um and and then history has as funny ways um the way i get to new york is actually through my cousin who got me out of lebanon in the
0: first place wow the dude like keeps giving you gifts basically throughout your entire life. Un- unbelievable i mean he's gonna get you to go to outer space right when you're like, like 60 <laughs> that's obviously the next step exactly right? that's the next step
1: so you know one day I, I i call him and i'm like listen you know i have this master in biomedical engineering and he's he's an amazing you know researcher and doctor in terrace and i was like well listen i know this this uh you know researcher in New York his name is Zahi Fayad he's a, he's a PhD and he runs this biomedical imaging lab uh, why don't you write him an email so I write him an email and he's like, oh my god I love Yad's work your cousin is you know amazing uh, what are you looking to do and I'm like listen I would love to you know have a PhD in biomedical engineering and I love the, the work that your lab does it's it's, it's on the cusp of of, of of research, they were doing research with uh, nanoparticles and trying to diagnose heart disease, uh, which I was fascinated by and completely nerding uh, about. So, you know, things clicked, and, and I eventually got to New York in November two thousand seven, uh, and I took my love of photography with it. You know, um, the, the the past three months before I left, I outrageously documented. Uh, Paris, uh, because I was leaving it, um, and 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 I took that with me in New York, and I kept on on shooting in New
0: York. Wow! So when you came here, and then uh, for a PhD degree, did you was the process to uh, apply and also get into the program really hard? And did they pay for your uh, for your transportation here? Like I'm a little bit unsure of like from what I understand, like PhD, like if you're a candidate, they actually. You're actually paid money.
1: Right, right. I was actually paid money to go to, uh, to do research. Yeah. That's I've, amazing. I was paying 40 grand a year. Wow,
0: what? To is, be, a, you know,
1: be a PhD candidate. Yes. Which is in New York about, you know, which ten, is 10 bucks. <laughs> <probably>. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Which is like a <laughs> coffee down the street. Right. You know, you, you buy a coffee, a pastrami sandwich, and then. 40, 40 Gs <laughs> 40 no. probably gets this tiny ass hotel room that we're in right, right now. <laughs> Exactly. Actually, um, probably something smaller than this. It's insane. You'd he split this with like a dude and his, uh, his stinky his <laughs> i actually got a lab The first apartment
1: I got in New York was uh, through Mount... I went to Mount Sinai School of Medicine. Right. This is where... That's you know, a great school. Right. But, yeah, it was fantastic school. And, and I got housing through them. Uh, and and my, my tiny apartment uh, that I was splitting with, with another guy who was actually a photographer. Um, uh, yeah, it Do was... I know it that was guy? Uh no, I d I don't think you do. Okay. Um He went back he was uh he was Belgium, he went back to Belgium after that. Got it. Um but uh yeah, we were splitting a, a fairly tiny apartment. Um, for twelve hundred bucks a
0: month? Really? Oh yeah, it wasn't, yeah. wasn't, wasn't too bad. Not too know? bad, but ooh, I can only imagine $1,200, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So So at at the time, um, what's going through your head? Are you thinking I'm I'm going to pursue this PhD and then I'm going to go this route or I'm going to become a photographer. I'm going to go that route. Or is it like, Hey, I don't love this thing or this is a contingency plan. Well, I love
1: both. Really? I love both. Uh, and at the time, you know, imagine a 25 year old coming to New York for the fucking first time. I'm doing everything. Like right. I'm, I'm studying in the lab in the mornings, in the afternoon, I'm going to fucking concerts at night, photographing. Right. right. I, the, I, the energy is just, right. like, exploding awesome. around. Like, crazy. Crazy. Going to fucking... Doing everything I can. Um, I'm like... And I'm not even thinking about becoming a photographer. I'm just doing doing things for... Because I'll love them, you right. know? Um, the energy. And it, it, it at that time, 2008, Pitchfork was coming out. Um, and I kind of fell into the music scene uh downtown New York, uh shooting, you know, uh music festivals like CMJ. Right. Uh, like in two thousand nine for Pitchfork. Um anecdote about Pitchfork, they used to
0: pay me ten dollars per show to photograph a show. So was the ten dollars just to say like, hey, we actually paid you? Right. I mean I to used say that, to literally... to keep up practices. <laughs> Right. I mean, I was just, it was just
1: insane. I just received $10 checks in, in, wow. in my mailbox, and I was actually ashamed of going to the bank. <laughs> you know, I would wait till I had
0: like 20 of them <laughs> to, you know, just kind of like. So this is, it. this is $10 for the entire day, and then. For one show, yeah. So, one show. so let's. One of the biggest gigs
1: I got at that time was Cover CMJ, which was an entire week. Right. Uh, And and I photographed Leaky Lee there. I photographed Deer Hunter. It's like 2009, um, maybe even 2008. um, And they were not that well-known at the time. uh, But I got 200 bucks for the week. (laughs) 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 I was like super exciting. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah it is. You know, and, and, and it's going, you know, doing research in the lab during the day, going to Shoot these shows at night and and staying up till like three four a.m. Yeah. Turning around the photos yeah. uh, so they can and publish it the next too, day. Not retouching, obviously. Yes. Wow. Um, so very fun memories of that time. Uh, just you know,
0: yeah, it was fun, man. Do you look back? Do you look back at that time now and think, what was I thinking? Or I couldn't do that again. Or you know, like the, even the naivete of those. Right. In your mind at the time, compared to like where you are now, and you're saying, you know, <laughs> you like you have you have a certain um, criteria for sure. to accomplish a thing now. At the time, it's just like, shit. I guess I got to get it done. I, I got, still feel it, that scrappiness. I think, you know,
1: uh, it came it came from doing what I loved, right? Like it's just I just enjoyed shooting. Yeah. I didn't give a shit about you know getting two hundred bucks or ten bucks, totally. like. Totally. It was. It was just. I. I enjoyed it, and and I enjoyed the energy, and 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 I learned a lot uh, to shoot under pressure uh, mm. during that time. Live photography is not easy. You have three songs to capture what you need.
0: Right. Um, I was always impressed at your ability to capture the moment and specific moments where it felt like they had like reached like the apex of a performance. Right. That was always great about like the stuff that I saw, especially
1: in those early days. Appreciate that. I think that, yeah, man, I, there's nothing, there was nothing, there's nothing best than just like clicking that shutter and knowing that you got the shot, you know? Um, I, I, I'm not going to say that I miss these days, but it's, it's a funny feeling. Um, you know, Yeah, I, I, it's, 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 it was a learning curve. I think I needed to, I needed to do these things to get to where I'm at. Um, and I understood the value of them and, and, and treating, treating each one of these assignments as if they were the most important things was, was key. I think, you know, um,
0: how hard was it for you to say goodbye to biomedical engineering?
1: Well, you know, it's funny. I would, I would, you, I would, you shoot these photos and like come back to the lab and and set set some of the photos that I shot as well. My wallpaper or my right. on my computer and my my lab. You know, coworkers would look at this and they were like, "What were you doing last night?" And what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> 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 and you know, I think I was good at research and I published a lot of papers, but there was an undeniable force that it was attracting me to photography. Yes. Um, for sure. And yeah, and it undeniably attracted to it. And, and there was something pulling me towards it. It feels like everything that I was doing clicked, mm. you know,
0: uh, I started Pun intended, right? Very good.
1: That's so smart.
0: Uh, I have an MFA in drawing dicks. Right, right.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, everything, you know, worked out and I started meeting people and, and, you know, I did my homework as well. Um, I started researching, you know, publications and how I could grow into, you know, uh, more of a complete shooter's and as, as much, you know, I started shooting bigger shows and and and, and graduated from, you know, um, say, like, little venues like Pianos right. or, or Cake Shop in the Lower East Side to shooting at Madison Square Garden or, you know, uh, big music venues. And I shot, I remember shooting M83 at, at MSG. I remember shooting Metallica, which was... Huge for me because I was a big, big fan Who's Metallica uh, in for? high school. Uh, Metallica was for a website called Prefix Magazine.
0: Prefix Magazine?
1: Yes. Okay. Um, it, was, it was a lot of music photographers. I was shooting for them at the time. And, 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 and it was a kind of like this funny competition going on between, you know, all these music photographers in the pit. Like, Oh my God, who are you shooting for? Like, you know, uh, I, I always, you know, to me, it was music photography or live music photography was always a way to step into something else. Right. You know, I always saw bigger than that. Um, and, 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 and not that it's, you know, I, I used to look up to like Danny Clinch or, or, or like super great music photographers that kept doing that through their entire career, but they're also great portrait photographers. And I was like, I want to be that. Right. I want to be the guy who's able to capture a performance, but I also want to be the guy who's able to take a
0: great portrait that people will remember. Right. Um, Did, Did you have a moment when you thought this is real? This is the path I have to take. This is something that I must pursue. And this job, this gig, this whatever is one of the, moments that will lead me down that path truly.
1: Yes. Uh Alt Points West Music Festival. What year was that? 2010, I think. Um, <clears throat> there were only two editions of this festivals in New York. This is before Governor's Ball. This is sure. before uh you know um any any music festivals that were established um, in New York. What's uh Budweiser in? Right Made in America, Made in America. There was nothing really on the East Coast happening. Um, and, and the organizers of Coachella tried to do this thing all, called All Points West right. uh, on Liberty Island uh, or, or around there. Um, the lineup was crazy. They had the Beastie Boys perform. Wow. Um, or they were supposed to perform until Adam uh, got diagnosed with, with uh, cancer right. that, that summer. Um, and he was replaced by Jay-Z. So Jay Z shows up that Friday, um, and he opens with like no sleep till Brooklyn, which was fucking crazy. God damn! Yeah, nuts. I got thirty thousand. Pe- I'm in the pit. I got thirty thousand people in my back, fucking ba- like going bananas. <laughs> um, so, so that moment, you know, I was, uh, I kind of figured out a way to set up. a a white seamless backdrop in the press area. And I emailed every publicist of every band that was playing at this festival. And you're doing
0: this without representation and doing it by yourself. Just
1: by myself. Just gully as hell. Yeah. yeah. So gorilla, just emailing out of the blue, you know, uh, PR of bands being like, listen, do you have like three minutes for me to take pictures of, of your band? And I emailed fucking Coldplay's publicist, Jay Z's publicist, wow. which I ended up meeting a couple of years later, which wow. was amazing. Um, and and obviously, you know, these people said no, but I got the cool kids. Yeah, I, I got Vampire Weekend. I remember that. I got uh, um, Mastercraft. I got you know um, the Far Side. I got I got a lot of you know pretty legit bands, and I think that. That was a really big stepping stone um, in my career, and I remember getting this wide backdrop from Kareem, my uh, good friend Kareem Black, who's who's a photographer, right. and he landed me this wide backdrop for the weekend, <laughs> and and I just
0: shot. I there you go. Yeah,
1: yeah. Wow. And and I came back after these three days with an entire portfolio of portraits um, of bands. Uh, and I started taking that to magazines. Um, I took that to the source. Wow. Uh, and I got my first assignment for the source magazine. And I think I got lucky because it was Kevin Hart.
0: Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Uh, purple shirt. Yes. Purple shirt. Uh, black back yes. 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 That's great.
1: And, you know, Kevin Hart at that time is not the Kevin Hart. He's Hollywood not a
0: current Kevin Hart. Actually, you know that's great about uh, your portfolio from that era because there's so many there are a handful of people where they're either like at the top of the pyramid and still are like Jay-Z but then there's a person like Kevin Hart where I'm like at the time he was not who he was no he wasn't but then now Kevin Hart is fucking <laughs> Kevin Hart so well, I'm like wow that's, that's so evergreen <laughs> and then you can just say like I shot the hell out of Kevin Hart
1: yeah I mean to this day, it's still the funnest shoot I've done really he was he was very funny you yeah.
0: have a you have a anecdote about Kevin Hart
1: uh I'll I'll say this. He's about his business. Is he really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He doesn't fuck around.
0: Does he turn it on, turn it off? He he stepped
1: on that he stepped in the studio the way he steps on stage. Really? Yeah. He's wow. a performer. Wow. He he knows what he's doing. Um extremely funny. Um yeah, very fun memory
0: of that shoot. Uh Who's yeah. your uh who's your favorite person to have shot so far? That's a tough one. I I have
1: uh I I think David Duchovny was a big one for me because Oh
0: yeah. I remember I saw you that day near Comic-Con. Yes. And David Duchovny had not yet come in. No. And I was stoked and I and X-Files season 10? Yes. Yeah, it had not premiered yet and right. I was excited about it. Right. And I was like, oh shit, I'm going to shoot David Duchovny. I mean, I grew up like idolizing the X-Files right. in France. Like,
1: every Friday night would have like three episodes and I would be like glued to my TV. Wow. And, and 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 I grew up with David Duchovny in my living room as, you know, probably a lot of people did. Sure. Uh, except, his voice was French. <laughs> I knew, fr- I knew French. David Duchovny. David. David. David, David Duchovny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so you know, just, just having him step in the studio. Along with uh, Mitch Pelaghi, Mitch Pelleggi, yeah. You know,
0: yeah. fucking Skinner, you know. <laughs> Who looked exactly the same. And, incredible. Yo, like, season 10, I was like, yo, did, did that guy just sit in a hyperbaric chamber for the past 15 unbelievable. years? Unbelievable. This guy looks, like, unchanged. Unbelievable. Yeah. So,
1: so, having, and, and Chris Carter, fuck, right. I mean. wow. I just, surreal moment. Yeah. Completely surreal moment where... Holy shit. I used to watch this dude in my TV in France Yes, and never, ever would have a thought that I would photograph him. Right. What? Like, you know, 15 years later. Unbelievable. Unreal. I mean, just unbelievable. And, you know, he walked in and he shaked my hand and he said, Hey, I'm David. And I'm like,
0: I know you are. Yeah. (laughs) I know your date. I know your date, David Duchovny. Yes. <laughs> so that was a that was a big one for me, and, and
1: also like kind of a realization where like, holy shit. Wow, you know. Yeah.
0: So I've I've been on set with you. Uh, I've seen you do uh, portrait photography, and I love your demeanor when you do portrait photography. And also, I've seen you uh, when you do lifestyle, when you do event-based. But I with a lot of people, you're orchestrating a lot of energy around you yeah. and uh, directing parties. directing parties, essentially. Um, and uh, having been a, uh, amidst that partying, it's, it's amazing. Do you have a, a preference as to which you like to do, or, or is this, are they both different than you just like to do one when you feel like doing one? I love. I'm
1: fascinated by people in general. Sure. I'm a people I'm a people person, sure. Um, I'm fascinated by the human face, the human energy. Uh, I want to capture that. I think that whether it's in a portrait or, you know, uh, a lifestyle campaign or a party, or I think human interactions and humans, the way we behave socially, as well as when we're on our own is, is fascinating. And that's something I treat almost every shoot as kind of like a human, like experiment. Right. Almost. Right. I can see that. You know, I think that, that, that I'm, I'm fascinated by that. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, that, that's what I love doing. I love shooting people, whether they're doing something or doing nothing. You find you know? uh,
0: one more challenging than the other.
1: Obviously, when you shoot for a client, you know, we're talking like big lifestyle campaigns. You have duties. You have sure. something that you you need to capture, but I still want to capture it in a way that feels authentic and real and genuine. Yes, I don't want to force anything. Right. I don't want it to feel forced. Like, I, I want to capture the most genuine moment, and I think that's really important. I want to capture the photos that right before the moment you know the photo almost like in between photos and and that's what i strive to capture i think that um maybe portraiture is 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 a little more challenging especially when you're shooting celebrities because it's really hard to get them to be out of character like who is david Duchovny when he's not fox Mulder? right
0: He's the guy from Californication. (laughs) But who is David Duchovny when it's not Hank Moody, you know? exactly. Wow, how did you know that name? I had no idea. I've never seen an episode of that I told
1: you I'm a huge David Duchovny fan. (laughs) All
0: right, of course, we covered that. You know, I I used to,
1: you know, have the same haircut. Did you
0: really? You would have, like, that pompadour, (laughs) and then you'd be, like, totally clean shaven? Listen, dude, I was, like, 14 years old, like, you know. (laughs) Well, when I was a kid, I actually wanted to dress like... Alvin from Alvin and the Chipmunks. There you go. For a little bit, but I was like eight. <laughs> so yeah, you know, I think
1: actors are really tough to to, to shoot. Um, but but every time a, a client, you know, calls me and they're, they're like, we love your ability to capture authentic and real emotions and moments. Sure. sure. That is to me the biggest compliment I can get. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that that's what my strength is. I think I make people comfortable,
0: whether they're a celebrity or, you know, uh, a friend. So, uh, on that note, can you talk a little bit about what you're up to right now and, uh, what do you think the new challenges are for you ahead?
1: So right now is a pretty exciting time. Uh, me and my really two good friends, uh, Juan Carlos and Shane Griffin, on Carlos Pagan. We started a company called Sunday Afternoon, uh, and we uh, are an artist uh, representation agency and creative studio, uh, which is a very exciting blend right. uh, of talent. Uh, you know, we kind of like merged forces uh, to start this thing and... and, and Things have been fucking amazing. Sure. Um, you guys are crushing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things are, are, are really picking up, and, and it's a really exciting time, uh, you know, where it's kind of fun to build something that's it's greater than just you as an artist. Yeah. Where, you know, you kind of bring everyone in and, and, and build this thing together. I think it's, it's fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know there will be challenges ahead. There's not, I don't know. There's not one day where, I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if it comes from my parents or, or, you know, having grown up and maybe two different countries or three different continents. I I just feel like I can do anything. I feel like I can live anywhere. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I don't know maybe because New York feels like home too. It, right. it, it's, it's possible. Um, but, uh, I, I feel like, I can, I can adapt to, to a lot of situations. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where that comes from. It's, it's, it's a funny, it's a, it's a funny thing. I don't know if, if you
0: feel similar or, um, well, I feel, well, I was having, I mean, you've, you've made a big move. You, I know, well. I know. Well, for the listeners I, uh, who probably know this by now, I, I live in Portland, Oregon. I've been there for under a year now. And it it's very different from New York, of course. That, go, that goes without saying. But the idea of being a part of something that's greater than yourself, as well as being in a place where you feel like you can actually affect change right. based on your own actions, it's a real powerful place. Um, that said... Um, I, I do feel empowered. I, I feel like I could live anywhere. I feel like my skill set could take me anywhere. Right. And I feel like uh, that I... Yeah, I I feel like I'm a commodity w- without trying to sound like a disgusting person. Right. You know what I mean? I feel like I'm a value. Sure. So, like, anywhere I go, I feel like I could be of value. I'm sure. sure that you feel the same way.
1: Absolutely. And I think our skill sets just just keep on growing. You know, there's so much technology that is, that is just... Uh, you know, so recent, um, whether it's, you know, 3D printing or right. VR or, or all these exciting things where content creation is, is going to be absolutely right insane. I mean, who fucking knows what the future holds, totally. you know? Um, and and it's going to make more shit. Yeah, no, totally. I think that, you know, whether for me it's photography and I, I, I directed a bunch of stuff. I just directed in the Adidas commercial. Right. And I think that, Moving into directing is fucking awesome, you know. Uh, it's 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 great. I think that, um, yeah. Just I feel like you know we're ready to take on anything that that people want to throw at us. <laughs>
0: uh, how do you feel in terms of your work life balance? Do you feel that you've you've got that down? I know that you recently got married. Yes. Uh, also, was your best man, so of course I know that. <laughs> <laughs> but do you feel that you? Well, you and your wife are both very creative. You're both like, ne- like, yeah, she's a writer. deep in that industry. So I'm sure that there's well, much I think more you know, my life. wife
1: was really happy when I finally got an office because it also meant that Did you
0: get the fuck out of the house,
1: <laughs> right? Right. And also, she also meant that when she came, you know, home or when I came home, that meant home, home, not not me being on, you know, Photoshop retouching till 11 p.m. Right. Because I'm a madman. Right. So you know, I think that that definitely helped. Um, it, it really does help separate kind of the both both things.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and and I never feel like I'm working. You know, I ne- I never really do, and I think that can be dangerous. Yeah. Because you are at the end of the day. Yeah, you you are, know? You are working. But you know, when I'm shooting or when I'm retouching or. When I'm reaching out to clients or when I'm, you know, invo- I, I don't feel like I'm working. I, I feel like I'm having the time of my life.
0: So, so I could do that all the time. Do you feel that, uh, that where you are right now, do you feel, do you feel you're going to stay in New York? Do you feel that this is going to live here? That this is the primary place forever? It does feel like home. It does feel like home. But
1: Paris felt like home.
0: Paris felt like
1: home? Once. You know, um, I've been shooting a a lot in LA lately and I do enjoy the vibe a lot there. Uh, I think that I remember being in LA last January on a shoot for WWD and it felt for me like being in New York for the first time. Hmm. I showed up in LA, you know, it was one of the first time I was there for work and I was like... Holy shit! This is a blank canvas. I don't know anyone here, <laughs> and that's fucking exciting. Yeah, that is exciting. I was like, "How the fuck do I conquer this city?" Yeah, you know, like how it, it really felt like that. I was like, "This is crazy." I'm, I'm looking,
0: I'm looking at a blank canvas. Yeah. You're just crazy, or well, uh, the realization I had in Portland when I got there that no one knew what I did. And I could redefine everything that I was about again right. or tweak it in a really meaningful way. But it felt like I would hear, a lot of people knew it was like, Oh, he rich does that thing. So when I made the move, I, I, and the world was wide open again. And now oh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's incredible. Oh, yeah. right? But then when people started like, kind of like seeing what I did, I was like, Oh, and I feel like a little bit more enclosed again. I was like, Oh, now you expect that thing of me. Right. Yeah. It's weird. It's, it's uh. It's a double-edged sword. It really is. I think that... I don't
1: know. I just got really excited. I was like, holy shit, like... A new city. Yeah. People don't know me. I don't know people. Do you think you'll ever make the West Coast move? I don't know. I don't know. I think that uh, if if one day I... So to say, concur, you know, conquer L.A. Yeah. Conquer L.A., man. I mean can i conquer la from new york maybe maybe it's possible uh I, I think all things are possible uh, i really enjoyed the i i really enjoyed it i think you know i had like really good um really good experiences there um and who fucking who knows the future you know um i i don't get bored easily i i i wouldn't say that um but i'm 33 and i've lived in beirut Paris, New York. It feels like there's something else, maybe. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah, who knows? Thirty-three just, really early in the timeline. Jesus,
1: I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, it also feels like I could come back to New York, and yeah, we know so many people here. You know, yeah, totally. It will always feel like like home, and and I see a lot of people that make in the LA move and that right. come back to New York. And I feel like they're more in New York than when they were actually in New York. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I don't know. No,
0: I, this is like my ninth time back in New York. There road, you go. I think. Yeah. I remember you living in Portland
1: and being there like two weeks later, and being back in New York two weeks later. i was like, dude, I see you more often
0: <laughs> now that you left. My parents tell me the same thing. I'm sure they did. <laughs> You're like, holy shit. He's home every weekend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm actually... I may come back in October, too. So. There you go. Uh, so, mm, I don't know. I don't know what that's about. But, uh, that said, thanks for coming by. Thank you so thanks much for having me. Yeah, hanging out in this empty or small-ass hotel room. Thanks for the whiskey. Absolutely. And that was our conversation with Ahmed Klink. Uh, he's a really good guy. That was uh, a lot of fun. And I uh, hope to talk to him again. Uh, I guess in life, because we're friends. Uh, but... If you want to see more of his work, go to amedclink.com. Be sure to check out sundayafternoon.us. So that was it. First episode in the tank. I'm going to try to drop one of these every Monday. I'm going to try to do 12 also, so be sure to look out for that. If you want to check out the feed, it's soundcloud backslash firstgenburden. My name is Rich too. And if you want to follow me on social media, that's rich underscore tu. Uh, on various platforms like Instagram and Twitter. So that's about it. Thanks for checking out the first episode of First Generation Bird.